0: The first step for me is going to be to sit back and listen, because if I don't understand the viewpoints of everybody around me, and I don't understand the history of the organization and where people are coming from, how can I help lead the organization to make the right decisions to transition into the future and to take the next steps in accomplishing their strategic priorities if I haven't heard what people had to say?
1: Good day and welcome to the Leading with Nice podcast. My name is Matthew Ewell. In this podcast, we want to help you and your team inspire others, build loyalty, and get results. Today I'm super excited to have Amy Garecki, the Executive Director of the Science Teachers Association of Ontario, chatting with me. I came to know Amy through a project we worked together on in the summer of 2019. And since then, we have maintained a great relationship. And For those of you who are at the start of a project or a situation where you have a big task ahead of you and you're wondering how you will acquire resources and the people and the other things you need to manage them, Amy's story will be really helpful for you today. So, Amy, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks, Matthew. It's great to be here.
1: So, Amy... Tell me a little bit about the Science Teachers Association of Ontario, how long it's been around for, and what it does, and and who would be a part of this thing.
0: So the Science Teachers Association of Ontario has been around for 130 years. This is actually our anniversary year, which is very exciting. We are a nonprofit organization that provides resources, networking opportunities, and support for science teachers from kindergarten to grade 12 across Ontario. And I think one of the biggest benefits for our members is a feeling of community and that they're not in this alone. Teachers have very high stress jobs and they are trying to balance a lot of different things within their career, so we are here to help provide them with the supports they need in delivering the science curriculum and learning from their peers in terms of best practices.
1: You know, one of the things I found really interesting about science teachers, and I remember uh, you sharing with me have feelings of isolation. And they don't often have a chance to connect. And I was like, that's so strange. Like, I live in Toronto. So the TDSB would have probably hundreds, if not thousands, of science teachers. And then um, one of the teachers on the board explained to me that, you know, when they go into their classroom, they close, like, the fireproof door. And the room is very isolated because they're the only teacher in the room with all the students. And they're there for, like, three, four periods a day. They don't have what others people have that work in an office or whatnot where they can get up from their desk and go visit somebody or check in with their boss during the day. That's a a real thing for science teachers.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, finding ways to help connect people to bridge some of the gaps they might have in their own knowledge or in how they apply what they already know in the context of teaching their students. That's something that we're here to help do.
1: So, Amy, one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you today in particular is you had shared with me an article you wrote uh, about project management professionals. And we're going to get into a little bit about what you experienced when you entered into your role. But I want to help set up for our listeners today a few of the fundamentals that you bring and a few of the, the lenses that you view the work you do through. And in this piece, you wrote about why project management professionals are uniquely suited for nonprofit leadership. You wrote uh, about undercommunication, about the training and skill set project management professionals like yourself have in stakeholder engagement. So tell me why, for you, that one piece is so important for your role.
0: Stakeholder management is really about knowing who your audience is, both your direct audience and your indirect audience. And figuring out the best way to reach them the best time to reach them and just making sure the the messaging that you get across to those stakeholders is is truly the information that they need. So for me stakeholder management is so important because if you don't know who you're talking to you don't know if you're sharing the right message. That's not something we're all trained to do and I thought that was a really unique aspect of my project management training that I could bring to my job in the nonprofit world as a leader. A lot of times in the nonprofit world, we get really caught up in what we're doing. We're so excited about it. It's a great cause. We really believe in it. But sometimes we get invested in the messages that we want to share and not in the messages that we need to share to be effective in our role. So for me, taking that step back, looking at stakeholder management and, really evaluating critically the needs of each person that we're trying to impact as well as the people who may have influence on that end user is really important.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And for those of you that are listening, because you want to get the real information on how to start in a position like Amy has been in that set it up so perfectly. So Amy, when you came to the Science Teachers Association of Ontario, and we'll call it STAO from here on in, that's what we call it colloquially. They were in the middle of a transition period. Can you tell me a little bit about what you experienced and what the reality was of the situation you, um, you inherited?
0: Absolutely. So I guess to kind of set it up a little bit, I, it might be helpful to hear about where I was coming from as well. I was the the vice president of the Learning Disabilities Association of Ontario prior to joining STEO as the executive director. So I had been in a leadership position, but it was a small organization and I'd never had kind of full ownership for my organization. And I was also unfamiliar with working with a board of directors. So I hadn't had a lot of experience in that aspect of things either. That kind of helps set the stage a little bit for what my experience was like when I came in. Prior to my starting with STEO, there had been a long term executive assistant. That role transitioned into the role of interim executive director, and the intention was always to hire someone new to fill the role of executive director. But they were just starting to kind of work through that transition. So I came in as the first full-time executive director. Not only was I truly untrained as an ED, but I was also stepping into the shoes kind of of someone who really wasn't in that true leadership role that most nonprofits would view their ED as being in. Another tricky kind of aspect of that is that that's not a situation that's unique to STEO. That's a situation that can be familiar in a lot of nonprofit organizations, because the executive director should really be a parallel role to a CEO of a for-profit business. But because of the limited resources that a lot of nonprofits have, that's not necessarily the case. So you will find your ED doing a lot of administrative work that they shouldn't be doing, In those smaller organizations, because you have to, due to those resource issues that you may have. So for me, in terms of the transition, I think I came in with a lot of idealistic thoughts about what I was going to be doing, what kind of impact I was gonna be having, the projects I was gonna be leading, relationships I was going to build. And then it all kind of came crashing down as I realized, first of all, I'm the only full-time employee at this organization. So I had to sort of reframe my expectations a little bit as I sort of got my feet under me and learned about the history of the organization and how things ran. STEO has been run traditionally by volunteers. And so everything we do is, is still very volunteer driven. But when I came in, the transition from an executive assistant to executive director was difficult for all of us because I don't think we all had the clearest understanding of exactly what I was gonna need to do and what skills I was bringing and how my role would evolve from the previous executive assistant role. So that was the biggest challenge for me, something that I was really not prepared for in being the sole employee of the organization. I was also learning how to work remotely as we don't have an office. So that was another big adjustment. Not only do you not have sort of that, you know, the water cooler talks every day, you don't have that staff and that team around you to support you. If you're having a bad day to help you get motivated, to hear about what else is going on in the organization. That was a piece that that was a really big transition. So I would say, for me, um, stepping into a leadership role with STEO was challenging due to Uh, some of the lack of experience I had in the role, not having that close team around me to support me, as well as having the organization going through a transition at the same time as I was.
1: You know, you mentioned so much in there that I'm sure many people are experiencing, especially those in smaller nonprofits, and even those who work in uh, smaller for-profit companies, is the amount of work you need to do that is outside of what you typically would expect that of an executive director or a senior leader. But when you have a board of directors that are volunteer, often these people care deeply or they have generally joined the board of directors because they have something that they're very interested or passionate about. However, they are board of directors. They're not, by definition, they are not expected to do the work or to even manage it. Their role is to govern. So, Amy, I just would love to hear some tips that you have that other people might be able to throw into their their toolkit to help the board of directors' a relationship with the executive director in accomplishing the goals of STEO.
0: I think the most important thing that you said, Matthew, there was that they are volunteers. Obviously, if they didn't want to be there, they wouldn't be there. So they're passionate about something that you're doing or there's some kind of reward that they're taking from being a member of the board that is really important to them. So if they're there, they should be invested in what they're doing. And that by default means that they want to support you as the person who's responsible for leading the organization. I think one of the most important things to remember about your board of directors is that they are all human beings and as volunteers they have so much going on outside of what they're doing for you and your organization so as much as you only get a small portion of their time it's so important as well to remember that volunteer and personal connection because if you don't have a personal connection with your board You know, people want to support people that they know and that they like. So it's not just supporting the organization they know and like. You need them to support you as the leader as well. So taking the time to set up those foundations of a really solid personal relationship are really helpful, I think, when dealing with your board of directors. I think that's probably been one of the keys to my success with STEO is having taken that time at the beginning to establish that. The other thing that I think is really important about working with your board of directors once you've had the time put into building that personal relationship, I think just making sure to keep the communication lines open. So you've built your personal relationship and now to keep things running smoothly within the organization, making sure that the board really knows what you're working on, what you're doing as the executive director in terms of the operations is really important. A lot of boards really struggle to keep their distance from the operations, and that's one transition that has been going on within our organization as well, is a transition from more of an operationally focused board to a governance board, which is really the way it should be. So if you want to keep your board involved in the governance aspects of the organization, in order to govern effectively, they need to know what's going on behind the scenes at the operational level. So keeping that communication open, making sure that they know the projects that you're working on with your team, the progress that they're really keyed into what's happening financially with the organization, what are you doing in terms of planning. If you take the time to build personal relationships and keep your communication lines open, it makes for a much more effective relationship that allows you to accomplish the things you need to do as the leader, I think.
1: You know, I speak to a lot of executive directors and people that work on boards, and I haven't heard somebody put it so eloquently, the need to build the personal relationship with the people on the board. You know, when I talk about empathy, one of the key points I make is that empathy is all about ourselves, And I don't mean like yourself personally, but the way we define ourselves is who is in our close circle, and usually that's friends and family. And we feel empathy for those people very naturally, but we don't feel empathy for people that are outside that circle. So to build empathy for them, you do need to develop a relationship. You do need to be intentional about building that. So it makes so much sense that some of your success has come because you put the groundwork in. And for people that just want to get down to business, man, it's a bit tougher to understand. Now, I know also that we've had lots of talks you are not naturally like an extrovert or somebody who wants to go and network and do a lot of chatting. So I imagine that this is something that you had to be intentional about and probably took some energy for you to do. So I'm telling I'm sharing that because if you're listening today and you're like, oh man, that sounds like a real chore. Yeah, it can feel like a chore for sure. So yeah, I just want to encourage you that that is honestly one of the best ways I've heard that approach put. So Amy, tell me about what it's like to be the executive director. Now you talked a bit about it before you doing some administration, but just talk about the constant ideas that come at you, the constant direction you get. What are some really good tips you have for that person who is gonna be a solo executive director or not have many or any support around them?
0: Um, I think the first really important thing, and this is something that has taken me quite a while to learn is the boundaries piece. When I came in as a new leader, you know, new to the organization, I had I was following somebody with so much history who'd done a great job, who everyone in the organization really uh, really appreciated, really looked up to. It's hard to follow in the steps of somebody like that, especially when there's only you and there's no one really to learn from in terms of of an employee relationship. There's only volunteers to learn from. A, a volunteer always is going to have a different experience than a staff member. Coming in and thinking you can do everything and be everything to everyone is very idealistic. And it's something that I had to struggle with a lot because I wanted to do that. I like to think I have a lot of skills. I like to think that I can give everything of myself. But if you don't set those boundaries, Eventually, your work is just going to take and take and take from you, and you're going to find that you have nothing left to give because you're exhausted. So, the first thing you need to do is really look at establishing those boundaries for yourself. And that's a learning process. Nobody's going to come in and get that right from the get go. But once you establish those boundaries that you need, you need to communicate those out to people because if they don't know that you don't feel able to do something, they're not going to stop asking you. They're going to keep expecting you to do the same thing. But if you need something done differently, you have to advocate for yourself. There's no one else to do it. So I would say establishing your boundaries and advocating for what you need, that's part of your job that you really need to come in and do things with. And that, I'm not saying come in from day one and say, this is what I need and you all have to give it to me or, or else. It's more work a little bit, make some adjustments, you know, you'll have, it's a give take relationship, but find your boundaries, put them in place and and be direct about what you need. In terms of that aspect of having to be everything and having to pivot and just take on so many roles, particularly in a small organization, I think it's also really critical to do some self-analysis and make sure what you're spending your time on is the right thing. That's not always easy to do. And that's something I really struggle with. I want to do everything. I want to accomplish everything. I want to make everybody happy. But at the end of the day, you're one human being and nobody can do that no matter how much you want to. So play to your strengths and don't be afraid to find the people who within your organization who can help play up some of your areas that aren't your strengths. And, and teach people what you are good at so you don't have to do all of those things that you're good at all the time. And you can work on the things that you're not so good at. You are going to have to learn new skills, most likely, when you enter into a leadership uh, role for the first time. So don't be afraid to take those on, but just be honest with people about what's new for you and what you need help with. I think those were the biggest... Things for me in transitioning into the leadership role that I would share with someone who would be coming into a new role like this.
1: I want to speak directly to board members now for a second, because this is so important. Your executive director, they are constantly learning new skills. They are uh, always trying to implement everything the board wants. And oftentimes, I see a lot of board of directors are always wanting to be doing something new or trying something or implementing a new something. And I just want to encourage you as a board to think about a rhythm. So as a board, think about what does it look like over a three-year period or five-year period or a two-year period probably is too short, but to have one year where you're just doing something like articulating how you do the thing really well. And that gives the executive director in your organization a chance to catch a breath and to be prepared for what's next. But oftentimes as a board, you're only on for a short time. So you're like, oh, man, I have all these plans. I worked with a nonprofit board about five years ago where the president that was there for one year, they made it very clear their job was to maintain. They were doing some great things and they wanted to give the board a rhythm. And now five years later, they're able to add the right amount of new stuff and new projects in a really smart way. So the last thing I want to talk to you about, Amy, is you spoke about just all the new learning. So we love to have practical and actionable tips for our listeners. I'd love for you to share just a few, like maybe your top three or top five things to do as an executive director of a small nonprofit where either you are the only person or uh, maybe you have one or two part timers or one other full time, what are, and those things can be as specific or as broad as you want. What, what should I do? What are some things I should be mindful of?
0: Okay, let's go with three. Um, the first thing I think that I have learned over the past year and a half is really important is establishing connections within the field with people who are in a similar position to you. So in the fall of last year, I attended a conference by the Ontario Nonprofit Network, and there were hundreds of nonprofit professionals there. And meeting with a lot of the other executive directors was really great to just hear people say, oh, I feel like that too. Um, One of the things that's most common In the field that I took away from that conference in particular is the feeling of imposter syndrome and feeling like, what am I doing here? How did I get here? Are people taking me seriously? Yes, they are. I mean, you're there for a reason. People chose you. So be confident in your skills. And if you have that network of people who are feeling the same way as you, you know, it's a really great opportunity to to connect To have somebody to discuss those things with, since you don't have a team of of, of staff, I think that's really important. So for me, that would be the number one tip. Take opportunities to connect with others in a similar situation to yourself. Nobody will be in the same situation, but you can find people in similar situations. The second tip I would have is go easy on yourself. When you enter a new organization, there is always a learning curve. There's no way you can come in on day one and be at your best and solve all the problems an organization is experiencing and do your best work because you have so much to learn and you need to take that time to step back and just give yourself the opportunity to learn. If you don't take that opportunity, nobody's going to hand it to you. They're quite happy for you to jump in and hit the ground running, but Take a step back to learn and be patient with what you need to do in terms of developing new skills, talking to the right people, learning the right processes that can really set you up for success as you jump into those projects and as you get the ball rolling on things. And I think the third thing that I will say that is super important when you're transitioning into a leadership role is to listen. And I actually said that in my interview when they asked me, you know, what are you going to be doing when you get here? I said, you know, the first step for me is going to be to sit back and listen, because if I don't understand the viewpoints of everybody around me and I don't understand the history of the organization and where people are coming from, How can I help lead the organization to make the right decisions to transition into the future and to take the next steps in accomplishing their strategic priorities if I haven't heard what people had to say? So be patient with yourself. Give yourself space. Listen and just do what you need to do to find other people who you can empathize with the situation you're in. Those would be my top three tips.
1: So I love it because basically self-care that is,
0: uh, <laughs> that is what I said, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it's so true though. It's like, it's what, like it's what we all need. Um, Amy, how can people find out more about STAO? Where can they go to learn about them? Where can they find them on the web? What, what, what can they do?
0: So you can find out more about us um, on our website, www.stao.ca. Uh, You'll find links to information about our membership and all of our resources and opportunities to get involved with us.
1: Okay, so if you're listening to this and you liked what Amy had to say, I don't know that this is necessarily on her agenda. But if you have a conference coming up or if you have a workshop or something, she would be an excellent speaker. I have the pleasure of working with her often. And I always walk away with some new learning. So if you are in that position, reach out to Amy because she'd be an excellent panelist or keynote speaker, or even just to get on a phone call with a few of your leaders. Amy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for having me. It's been really great. Thank you.
1: I want to thank our listeners. To learn more about this topic, visit leadingwithnice.com. And on our way out, I want to thank the people that helped make this podcast come together. Jeff Anhorn, Andrew Park, Austin Pomeroy. They all are involved in the production of this, and I am so grateful for them. So for Leading With Nice, my name is Matthew Ewell, and we want to help you inspire others, build loyalty, and get results. Talk to you next time.